What's going on, everybody? I'm Johnny Brook from Crafted Workshop. Welcome back to episode number 49 of the Crafted Podcast. Podcast all about making stuff by hand, woodworking, metalworking, leather, electronics, and more. We put out new episodes every Thursday on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, pretty much everywhere podcasts are available. We also live stream on Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. You can check us out on our YouTube channel. Just search for Crafted Podcast over there. And you can watch the live stream. Also, kind of ask us questions live. That's a great way to get your questions answered. Uh, we also put out show notes every week for every episode. That's on craftedpodcast.com. You can see all the past show notes and links to kind of the stuff we're talking about during the show. We're also on Patreon. We've added a $250 goal for a weekend show and are slowly creeping up on that. So that's patreon.com slash craftedpodcast. We've got a weekly after show over there. And uh, the top patrons this week are Make, Build, Modify, Master of None, and Debbie Brooke. And our new patron this week is David Prevost. So let me go ahead and introduce my co-hosts as always. I've got James Wright from Wood by Wright. What's going on, James? I'm doing so good. Thank you. <laughs> I've got Zach Herberholz from ZH Fabrications. What's going on, Zach? How's it going? Good, man. Good. So yeah, we're uh, we're rolling on the fly this week. We've got no topic, so we're going to lean it's on the, the live chat. Topic. Yeah, so we're going to lean on the live chat, get some uh, live Q and A's going, and I, I actually think these sometimes work out pretty well. So um, I guess first of all, let's kick it off with what we've been working on. Uh, Zach, you want to kick us off? Yeah. So uh, it's, uh, it's it's I guess I say it's always every week. I say it's been a crazy week, but uh, this this is another one. Just uh, trying to to play catch up. I have a lot of projects that are coming in and I'm just trying to, trying to get them knocked out while keeping my sanity in a tiny, tiny shop. So right now I'm doing those, uh, industrial shelves. I, I have a few pictures up on my Instagram of that. Um, it's so this, the shelf it's made out of like C channel and one inch all thread that's six feet tall. And I don't know, whatever 70 inches wide is. And, uh, the way it works. So, you see the picture like it's c channel and it's kind of like a c on its side but a hard c with 90 degree angles and then the threaded rod goes up through that and then the shelves are going to be held in place by nuts and washers which are just like two by 12s but assembling that and disassembling that are going it's (laughs) it's crazy because you have to do everything from one side so that means you need just to assemble the thing you need 12 feet of of floor space because the rod has to go in through one side and you have to spin the nuts and washers on in order to like on either side of the boards and then spin them all the way down the six foot rod as you're pushing the thread through the shelves so that's nuts i have it mocked up without the um the picture i have is i have it mocked up without the nuts and washers but yeah i think just when i get to the point of assembling that for the last time I'm guessing it's going to take me an hour just to spin all the nuts and washers like through that six Dude, feet of all thread. Have you seen that thing that Izzy Swan invented? It's basically it goes on to a nut and you put your drill on one end and it's got some sort of gear in between. So it doesn't matter. You don't need like, you know, obviously there's no socket out there that's deep enough for that, but it it's open ended. And yeah, so it would go over the nut. You just, you know, throw your impact driver on there and zip it down. I, I, dude, I think you should totally figure yeah. out how to get one of those. Cause I think that would money. save you seriously would probably save you an incredible amount of time and, and just frustration. Well, and so 
Yeah, the DPT wrench is what it's called. Scott I'll Hawk. have to check that out. I got to get this Hawk. thing built soon, though. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so I ordered the rod, right? And I ordered four six-inch sections. They ordered four 12-foot sections. I only paid for two of them, but I had to throw them in my truck and cut them down. As I'm spinning the nut on, and I thought, so if you ever work with all thread and you cut it, make sure that you grind smooth the edges. I thought I did, but there was a spot where I didn't. So I was spinning a nut on and it just opened up my finger. (laughs) It was so sharp that I didn't even feel like I didn't even feel it. I just, you know, that feeling when your skin opens. Yeah. (laughs) When it's wet. Yeah. And you can just like feel like the two different like pieces, like back and forth. Yeah. So that was, that was bad. But uh, the, the industrial shelf, um, working on that. And also if you guys watch my Instagram, I'm not done with the video yet. It's, it's going to be one video, but we're filming it over two weekends. There's a guy that runs iron dog knife works, uh, Harley Seidel. He's down in uh, Bradenton, which is about an hour and 20 minutes for me. So last Saturday I drove down there and we, uh, I've wanted to make like a mini cleaver cause I'm, I want to do a few knives. And, uh, <clears throat> so we drew that out and, um, started work on that. We got it to the tampering process. I think we started about nine, eight thirty, nine o'clock. And there's a lot of, there's a lot to it. I mean, but it's nice oh, to yeah. actually see it because I mean, when you, when you hear about knife making, you, <clears throat> it's easy to get mixed up. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's easy to get mixed up. Uh, you know, you have annealing, you have quenching, you have tempering, you have normalizing, you have all of these terms that are, that if you're not, if you haven't done it, it's like, they all sound similar and you don't know which order to do things in. And it's really confusing. So it's been really good for me to see to actually have firsthand knowledge because no matter how much you read about stuff, I feel like you have to read it, do it, and then read it again, you know, to, to have it all fall into place. But we, we got the knife, the tampering pro, uh, part of the deal. And that's, we're tempering at two cycles at I think 450 degrees for two hours. So that was when I took off because I didn't want to sit around for, you know, four hours um yeah so this weekend we're going to go back and finish that uh grind the edge on it and uh put a handle on it what are you doing for the scales are you doing anything cool i don't know so I, th- I think again i have a picture on my instagram of the the knife and it looks bigger in the picture it's actually like about i don't know maybe five inches long you can fit three fingers on the handle about uh, okay <clears throat> But I like that rough uh, scale that's that's on the spine of it. I want to leave that. I don't want to make it all shiny. I kind of want it to look uh, like it was unearthed from a castle or something. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't like a a high polish knife. I, I much prefer like a bead blasted or you know brushed look personally. Yeah, I, and especially with carbon steel because I mean eventually, yeah. unless unless you spend more time caring for it than using it, it's going it's gonna tarnish eventually. So oh yes. Yes. Um, I don't really care. It's, it's a knife. It's supposed to be used, not looked at. Um, yep. But so I'm thinking, cause I want to, I want to have something that uh, plays off of that kind of patina look. So I'm just thinking like a, a nice walnut handle and he's yep. got some really cool, like epoxy uh, wood hybrid, you know, inlaid stuff. That's really, really cool, but I just feel like it'd be out of place on there. So I just want something that's that's refined and classic. 
So I'm thinking yeah. walnut on that. But uh, yeah, that's what I've been working on this week. And see if you can get some like stabilized, like walnut, like maybe a burl or something. That'd be super cool. You know, yeah. that way it doesn't move on you. Yeah. Be pretty cool. Nice. Well, James, how about you, man? What you been working on? Oh, a ton. <laughs> um, I'm finishing up my uh, plane till. So hopefully I'll have that uh, very soon behind me. So I'll have my saw till and plane till on the back wall. And uh, that is um, actually, be- I was intending on that being a very complicated build and a lot of intricacies and measuring and figuring everything out. Um, but after getting into it, it's a really simple build. Um, if, once you break it down, it's a, it's just a plank with dividers on it and a way to hold the planes on so they don't fall off the board. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> nice. Looking forward. To, hopefully that video will be out uh, Saturday. And then I, uh, I I did a video that will be out um, actually in a couple hours um, where I took my camera out into the woods and did tree identification. So I, I showed off a few of my favorite trees, but I also then went through, you know, how do you actually go about identifying what is this tree? You know, looking at the, the branch, the bark, the, the leaves, the fruit, and uh um, taking a couple through a couple of them through the process and different apps and websites and things like that. So that was a, that was a fun time in the woods. And I, I think it'll, I'll do fairly well as a video. I've had a lot of people asking for that one. Yeah. But, I also saw your tack on your kitchen, man. That's uh it's going to be quite the undertaking. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm actually backing down videos on my channel a little bit rather than doing three, a, um, uh, a week. I'm going to do one, maybe two a week so I can spend more time focusing on basically gutting my upstairs. Uh, I'm not going to gut it. I'm going to just take it to the drywall, but we're taking out all the flooring, all the cabinets, uh, repainting everything, new trim throughout crown molding, base molding windows, doors, um, all new solid wood flooring. And so I'm going to be actually having several videos on that, um, uh, that I'll be doing how to install wood floor by hand. So no pneumatic tools, um, no chops off or cutting things to length. Uh, I think that's going to be a, a painfully slow video for a lot of people. Dude. <laughs> but I mean, it, honestly, it, you think, about just it. think about that. That is crazy. Well, you know, it really wasn't that mu- that long ago that the pneumatic nailer came out. And before that, you know. Oh, yeah, it was, it was all hand done. I mean, you you had stapled floors, but that was the cheap way of doing it. And you you yeah. kind of looked down on if you if you stapled the floor in. People walk um, in your house and scoff at you. So it was only, only like 25 years ago that, that good wood floors were all nailed in. Yeah. Um, with a hammer. Yeah. So I'll be doing that. I'm not going to make the kitchen cabinets. I'm not going to make the kitchen cabinets. We just bought them. Um, but I am. They, I got them unfinished, so I'll be doing the, the finish work on them. Um, but the, the really interesting video, the one I just decided on yesterday, um, is going to be I bought a sheet of Corian, you know, the, the solid thickness countertop. Yeah. Um, so rather than buying the countertop, I'm going to buy a sheet. So it comes a half inch thick. Um, 30 inches by 145 inches long. Jeez. And so I'm going to take that sheet and with all hand tools, break it down and put it together into a full thickness countertop. Nice. How, so that, how, uh, that's not supposed to be machined fairly well, right? It um, wreaks it, havoc on your blades. It, well, it will dull the blades fairly quickly. Um, not as quick as like aluminum or brass. Yeah, uh, but fairly well. Probably about as quick as aluminum would dull it. Um, what um, what's a sheet like that? I mean, what can you what can you buy in like four by eights? 
Um, not normally because it's designed for counters, so it's long and sh- narrow. Okay. What uh, um, what's uh, I mean, is there like a general price per foot ballpark that you? It's usually about well, when you buy it from the store, you're going to be spending thirty to forty dollars a square foot. Um, wow! Online, you can get it for as low as like twelve to eighteen dollars a square foot. Hmm. <clears throat> I'm really interested to see that process because it's definitely something i've been wanting to work with more here recently i think for i think it can add a a really cool texture to a lot of pieces um i I think it would be a really nice like in table top or you know especially like with power tools it is so fast and it's really easy to work with i feel like uh like white corian and walnut is like Instant. Oh. <laughs> I mean, Benueta has done some really cool stuff with like using his little carvy uh, to make serving dishes and, and egg trays and really interesting designs. Uh, I actually think it, it applies to like CNC work really readily. Um, so, yeah, I've definitely been thinking about that. I think it'd be very, very cool. Well, especially for, for little things like that, if you go to like the uh, um, um, cabinet shots or, or places that install it, you'll get all these cutouts, like the, the sink yep. cutout and things like that, that will get thrown away. Uh, totally. So you can pick those up for almost nothing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're going to buy a full sheet, it's it's pricey. Yeah. But I mean, the, the options are endless. Do you, I mean, you can get stuff that looks I, almost identical to granite, um, almost identical to quartz, solid colors, wispy colors, lines and streaks, and you know, anything you want, you can you can get it in that. Yeah, that's cool. Nice. Well, anything else or is that not everything for you? Well, I'm also, uh, I did a little work on the spring pole lathe. I'm hoping to have a, a video on that next week. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to having a lathe that I can just, you know, flat pack and take with me wherever I want. Dude, and- I, I have actually been thinking about doing something like that because, uh, you know, when Irma came through this area, it didn't really come through here, but we got a lot of the wind from just the, the outside of it. And so, like, the, the trail that my wife and I usually go over and, like, do some trail running on had a ton of trees come down. And, dude, it's, like, cherry and walnut and maple and, like, the logs are just sitting there off to the side of the trail. And I'm like, man, I could bring my electric chainsaw and a spring pole lathe and my camera and like turn something out on this freaking, it's the AT. I mean, it's it's part of the AT. Yeah. I I just think like, talk about an uh, amazing setting for that. Like that would be gorgeous. So I actually definitely thought about it. I did a video like that. uh, What last year I think it was. Yeah, no, so in the spring where I made a bench in the woods and just yeah, uh, so yeah, I remember that. That was kind of uh, yeah, it's kind of fun to do bushcraft building and yeah, do it would be very cool. I think uh, I'm I'm gonna watch your your spring pole lays progress and I'm, I might I might get around to doing that. That would be pretty fun actually. So I thought about bringing like you know my little like rockler lathe and like the dewalt battery thing but i'm like that would be a pain in the butt that's that thing's like 80 pounds so um i don't know if i actually really want to do that but uh yeah maybe i'll have to bring it out and i'm out at your place next time seriously i mean it's actually would be kind of cool man because there's as i said you know the hardwoods in this region are just awesome and so there's at least cherry and maple and i think i saw some walnut but you know all the logs are in pretty manageable sizes because it was basically where it was blocking the trail so it's like you know three or four feet long and so you just chop it up or you know bring your fro or whatever and uh 
make it make it happen. So, yeah, I might have to do that. Get the the seriously epic slider shots, man. Like, yeah, you know, oh, yeah. half, half the speed. In the background and- oh, geez, that would look super sexy. And um, green woodworking is just it's a it's a joy to watch. It's a joy to do. Yep. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, did you see uh, Matt Cremona's most recent? Uh, yeah, he just did his shop update, with it, but he did a uh, a green woodworking in uh, in the UK. England. Yeah, yeah, that was that was kind of cool because it's uh, a shop there. It's outdoors, all all unpowered tools, and you you're handed a log at the beginning of the class, and you walk away with a chair. Yep. Yeah, I would I would love to do that. That John C. Campbell school that I, I went to last year, uh, they do a Windsor chair class like that where it's, you know, all green. You're using the shave horses and, you know, splitting it out of just the logs. And it uh, it's like a 10 day class, though, because it's, you know, just just the spindles on the freaking Windsor chair take uh, like a day or yeah. two. So it's uh, I, I would love to do that. That's, that's like a bucket list project for me because it's so opposite of what i do uh i think it would be really really cool so nice well uh i have been working on this dining table and benches that i've been building and got it glued up last night or at least got the legs glued onto it and really kind of digging the way it's looking um literally have used every board of that walnut pile except for except for one so you guys were here last year you you probably remember what that uh what that pile looked like and it is it is all gone so it has been quite a project as far as i think it's over 100 board feet of walnut so um it was it was a lot so uh, i'm i'm pretty excited the way it's coming along uh, hopefully i really need to get that thing finished up i've got a bunch of guys coming in this weekend for a weekend long bachelor party one of, my, one of my best friends who lives up in new york is getting married and so there are nine guys coming to my house starting this afternoon through monday and we're going to be having a, a a bachelor weekend in in Asheville, hitting up breweries and doing some outdoorsy stuff. So it should be a lot of fun. But it's uh, it's it's going to be a crazy weekend, and I'm going to get no work done. So I, I got to get this thing finished and and put out sometime next week. So uh, I will probably be a couple of days late on the video, but happy to have it finished because it, it's just big it's taking up a lot of space it's like uh 60 inches long by 32 inches wide by like 44 inches tall and that's just the table not the benches so it's uh it, it's gonna be quite the process just getting it all sanded and finished but uh I'm, I'm excited to see what it's gonna look like once it's done so that's most of what i've been working on this week um, i was also on the make or break podcast last week which is a brand new podcast uh brandon cullum over there is starting it up and i think i was actually the first episode but it's a cool format it's like an interview show and basically he's going to be interviewing i guess other makers and, and people like that and you know, kind of went pretty deep into my origin story and, uh, it was, it was good. It was a lot of stuff I really haven't talked about elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, the word, (laughs) actually we didn't even talk about that. That would have been kind of funny, but, uh, yeah, just, you know, kind of what, if I was into this stuff growing up and you know what I did before this and just things I haven't gotten into a lot elsewhere. So, uh, it was a good show and he's doing a really good job with the, I guess like graphics and stuff like he creates a really nice thumbnail and uh, 
he's doing the podcast both on YouTube and on like iTunes, but the YouTube one, he like edited and made it look really pretty slick. So uh, good work for sure. Definitely go check that out. Uh, we'll have a link in the show notes. It's also linked to in my Instagram bio, like at this very moment. So if you're listening on Thursday, October 5th, then <laughs> you can go over there and check that out. But uh, yeah, so that was uh, that was a good one. So I think that's about it for me, though. Pretty uh, just focusing on those tables. So um, let's go ahead and move into, I guess, our Q&A. So thank you, everybody in the live chat. You guys have given us a bunch of good questions to talk about. So, uh, yeah, let's I guess let's get into it. So first question from Keith Johnson. uh, Awesome woodworker. Uh, Keith, definitely go check him out on Instagram and YouTube if you don't already. Uh, His question is, what's our approach for gluing up long miters similar to what you would have done on a waterfall table? Um, dominoes. <laughs> That's an easy one for me. I don't know about you guys, but I think the domino makes long miters like that pretty, pretty simple and very, very strong. Um, you know, I think splines obviously I think would be the other choice. What, what about you guys? Yeah. Um, dominoes or a dowel um, in the, well, when you're talking about ingrain miter joint, um, I, I like doing splines. Uh, but that's a, a personal thing and they, they tend to work better with hand tools, but yeah, than a domino dominoes don't work very well with hand tools. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wouldn't, I, wouldn't work so well without power. I, I should do that. That sounds like a great video it. though. Hand tool dominoes <laughs> Buy the dominoes and, and cut out the joinery. That, that, that would be tricky. I got to try that now. Thanks. For that I don't idea. think I've ever done a long miter joint like with wood. Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean they're definitely tricky. Even with the domino, it didn't come out perfect. You know, it it uh, because it, really it's all <laughs> dependent on how perfect the miter itself is. You know, yeah. so you really got to dial in your angles, or else it's it's still going to be gappy. Yeah. Uh, got to make sure that the angle on the domino matches the angle. On the <laughs> exactly. So if the domino is set to forty five, which you know it's got like detents at forty five, twenty two point five, and and ninety, you know if it if it's set wrong, then it's not going to work. So. Yeah, I, I I actually think splines might be slightly more forgiving um, in that way. I think, you know, glue it up with some, you know, CA glued blocks on either side of the miter. So that way you can get good clamping pressure. And then it doesn't really matter if it's exactly 45, unless you're doing like a, a full like frame or something. But it doesn't sound like that's what he's doing. And then you could add splines, you know, going, uh, I guess, across the, the miter. So. Mm-hmm. Be yeah. cool if there was like a tool out there that would do that whole process, like miter and spline in one pass. Oh, sides. Yeah. That, that would, be, would cool. be nice. That way you can make nice. one waterfall table yeah. and then. Well, actually, <laughs> there are router bits to do that. Actually, now that I think about it, they create like basically they're called oh, block yeah. miters or spline miters. But yeah, I mean, you know, that would probably only work on like three quarter inch material because those bits aren't that mm-hmm. wide. But um, yeah. Well, the the other thing you can do is turn the spline 90 degrees and go with the grain. Um, just like you would for splining a, uh, the box corner. Yeah, that's true. That's but, uh, another option, um, that I've seen done is to get a dowel of a different type and glue together your miter with nothing in it, just glue together roughly and then drill out through the joint and then put a through dowel of a different wood, so you get that. So when it when it comes out the other end, it's a like an oval shape on it. Yeah. Um, so it's a, a decorative piece, but you're 
that way you're not having to match the angles, whatever you glued it up at, yeah. just drill it through and you don't have to worry about that. That's what Sean just did, right? On his uh, table, Sean Stone on the Osage Orange thing he's working on. I haven't seen that video. It's in my list yet. Oh, no, it was just a picture he put on the Maker Mastermind. Oh, no, uh, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it looked like that's what he did, like a through dowel, kind of through the waterfall. So that uh, that definitely would work, especially if you've got a nice thick slab or something you're doing it with. Um, so, cool. I think that probably effectively answers that one. Um, so the duck, uh, who's a regular live chat listener, so thank you for that, uh, asks, he wants to make a French cleat wall, only he needs to hang it from basically the joists in his basement. So... Uh, <laughs> that's a little tricky because I think the biggest thing with French cleats is you need enough room above them to be able to hook the cleat over. So um, I don't know. What, what do you guys think about this? Well, um, that's kind of what I've done on mine. Um, I put two by fours that are on the joist, but then the two by four runs all the way to the ground. So the, the, the joist is keeping it from falling over. Um, okay. I guess if you're, if you're thinking about like, you only want to come like halfway to the ground. Um, and just hang from the joist, you could put, you know, like nail two by fours onto the joist vertically and then hang your French cleats on that. Uh, you just have to make sure that number one, your joist can take the weight of what you're putting on it. Number two, the connection method between the joist and the two by four can take the weight of what you're putting on it. Um, and that weight can add up very, very quickly on a tool wall. You could very easily end up with like a, a three or 400 pound wall yep i don't know if i really want that hanging from a connection that would have a a a sheer strength yeah definitely yeah i think uh, your french cleat (laughs) yeah but then you're still talking about that that french cleat connection yeah doubling the connection so you'd have twice as many points of failure yeah yeah i I don't know i mean (laughs) But you would make a removable French cleat wall. Yeah. French cleat house. The whole thing <laughs> just, just drops together. But you have yeah, a movable I, wall and a French cleat on every joist so you can move your wall to wherever you're working in the shop. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like to me from a from a joist above your ceiling or you know, above your shop space, I don't know if the French cleat would be my first choice, I think. To me, like adding some sort of like you're saying, James, framing to kind of support that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it, it's contacting the ground, yeah. I think probably makes more sense. Cause I think a lot of the strength that the French cleat gets is being able to kind of rest against the wall and not be. Yeah. You're transferring your energy in space down to the, the foundation. Yeah. Yeah. So if like that, if that wanted to continue to travel backwards and put more stress against that cleat. Yeah. That, that would be uh, questionable maybe. So, Cool. Um, next question from Sean Fouché. I think is how we pronounce that. I think we figured that out last time. Isn't that right? Sean Fouché, I think. Sure. Hopefully. <laughs> so if we needed to glue up tabletops but didn't have a domino, would we go with biscuits, dowels, or just use calls? And he's saying five to six tabletops minimum. So I guess it's a big, big table build. Um, I would probably use biscuits, personally. I think they're a lot faster than dowels. What about you guys? Absolutely. Yeah, I have a, I was kind of like 
reluctant to use uh biscuits or a plant joiner and like i if i'm doing one table or something that doesn't have a ton of stuff on it i'll probably do a spline joint just because it's an excuse for me to use my my uh plow plane and it's fun and it's cool and you can create the little <laughs> i like having like a little accented spline piece to glue up the wood i think it looks neat but if i'm mm-hmm. doing multiple stuff or even just a big table that has a lot of joints in it uh the plate plate joiner is the way to go it's super fast and uh, I mean, I, I've, it's something that I bought to do one project with a lot of glue ups and I used it and I'm like, wow, why did I not buy this earlier? It's, it's really, really easy to use. And just the amount of time that you save uh, having some sort of alignment, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, biscuits or yep. uh, owls or a spline, like just the amount of time that you'll save in sanding and leveling the top when you're done is is yep. totally worth it i mean yeah it cuts, it cuts i don't understand it. why people don't do it it's like it it maybe adds 10 minutes to the front side of the project but saves you easily that time on the back side and you have a consistent tabletop thickness and if any of the boards are a little bit you know bowed at all or whatever it it kind of just makes everything even See, out. i would i would go the other way i don't put anything in my joint but that's because i don't plane anything i glue together rough boards yeah and then, and then plane it. it all down to thickness yeah yeah and that that certainly works the hand tool tool. dude can you run it through a planer exactly or or the drum sander you know for me i honestly i got my drum sander with the the biggest thing i wanted to do with it was be able to sand tabletops and unfortunately uh, tabletops are usually so big and awkward that the in feed and out feed support is just not there so it'll end up you know basically giving me drum sander snipe and makes it worse than you know just trying to kind of deal with it ahead of time so i uh like on this table i'm working on right now i i basically glued them up in sections that were you know less than eight inches wide and then flattened those on the jointer and then flatten the other face on the planer and then added dominoes and like literally i think it's going to take me like 10 minutes to sand the tabletop they they are so perfectly even and it would be the same thing with the biscuit you know for alignment purposes biscuits and dominoes are are fairly interchangeable the only thing that biscuits don't do well is kind of side to side alignment so if you're trying to really dial in you know the ends of a tabletop Biscuits are going to definitely be inferior because they allow a little bit of kind of side to side play, not up and down play. So, um, but if you're going to be trimming them flush anyway afterwards with like a circular saw, a track saw, that doesn't really matter. So, yeah, I always give myself a few extra inches and just cut it down afterwards. Yeah, yeah. With with this thing I'm working on, basically <clears throat> the four corners are notched out to accept the legs, so they needed to be very exact in their kind of alignment. So that was a uh, that was my reasoning for, for using the domino and, uh, yeah. So cool. Uh, let's see if from doc darkness, uh, if we could choose one material to work with, what would it be and why this, this should be interesting. I think I know the answer for both of you, but, uh, we'll see. Why don't we guess for each other? That would be kind of fun. <laughs> I, like that. I like that. Yeah. For like James, you mean just like, like wood or like the type of wood exact or... wood type or metal okay. type i think we both know exactly what james is well duh james is the easiest crap white oak i mean white that's, oak, yeah. Yeah, that's all he ever uses so yeah <laughs> um zach i don't know <laughs> zach it would pro- i mean Gosh. obviously i i i think well 
I don't think so, though. I think Ash is more of a logistical, you know, practicality choice rather than like his passion for that type of wood. You know, I think it's it's readily available. It's less expensive. But I would think something like a walnut or something like that or but then that's excluding steel. So I I, I don't know. I, I, I would almost say steel for Zach. But then it would be like, what kind of steel? And that that just becomes a whole nother, probably like quarter inch flat sheet, because then he could literally do anything with it. But uh, I don't know. We'll see that. I think, I think that the the question is, uh, like, what would your dream material be to yeah. work with? Not like not seeing it as a positive thing, not as a negative thing. Like, sure. oh, I'm stuck working with this one thing all the time. So yeah. Yeah, I'd say I'd say obviously um James is white oak. Yeah. I would think yours would be walnut. Probably. Um, I would say steel. I mean, I don't think I need to get specific on that, but yeah. Um you know, yeah. you can I I enjoy it's funny. It's weird. It's like I, I change. Sometimes I, I really enjoy doing wood stuff and sometimes I really enjoy doing metal work. It's just like whatever I haven't been doing lately is usually what I dream of doing. But um, yeah, I've been doing so much metal work lately and I just feel like I'm in the groove with it. And like, I, I feel like I know how to manipulate it the way I want. And it's, I, I kind of have a workflow set for it right now. So it's, yeah, yeah. it's probably my, my thing, but that's not to say I don't enjoy working with wood because I, I certainly do. And I feel like the two complement each other very well. So I would hate to Definitely. exclude one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, agree. I would say uh, Johnny's favorite would probably be a, uh, a walnut veneered pure bond plywood. <laughs> that's actually probably, well, I don't know. Walnut hardwood <laughs> is nice too, but honestly, I love me some some walnut ply, man, because it makes life very easy. You can build some really cool looking stuff, but uh, yeah, that, that's that's pretty good. Walnut anything, man. I'm just a sucker for walnut. Walnut, even veneered particle board. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, cool. Um, let's see what we got next. So the fantastic Mr. Fox asks, with Christmas coming up, what kind of gifts are you guys going to make? So that's an easy one for me because I that's yeah. why I'm building a lathe. Um, yeah, exactly. Lathe makes gift giving so easy. It's like, oh, I'm going to a Christmas party. I need to make a present quickly. Five minutes yep. later, here's a pin. Yep. Except you're very dirty when you show up to the Christmas party covered in shavings. But <laughs> I mean, you can you can make it, you can finish it, and everything right on the lathe, and you know have it handleable when you're done. Yep. Yep. No, definitely. I, I mean, for me, it's probably going to be cutting boards just because I'm always looking for stuff where I can turn scraps into something useful. And yeah. I think cutting boards are the best thing for doing that. Cause literally it doesn't matter if it's an eighth of an inch thick. Like I've got some Babinga cutoffs from the shelves I made and, you know, some quarters on white Oak. Not that that's a great cutting board choice, but you know, even serving trays or anything like that, I think make great gifts. I feel like most people could use a cutting board in their lives and uh, they are fairly time consuming. So that's one thing, but the material cost is, you know, basically just glue. So, um, and I think they're very impressive to a lot of people. So I definitely like making cutting boards personally. Um, Zach, what about you? 
So, yeah, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't thought of it. Key fobs are great. Um, I, yeah. I still like making those things. It's crazy. Like, I've made so many of them, and they're still, like, I feel like it's because it's one of those things that I can kind of semi-mindlessly do just because I've done so many of them. So, it's, yeah. I could just get out there, turn on the music, and there's no stress. I'm not using that, like, that creative problem-solving part of my brain. I'm just kind of out there going through the motions and it just kind of feels good to do. Um, those are always good. Uh, I've really been jumping into, <clears throat> it's one of the, one of the things that's going to come up later, but, uh, in the, what, um, what have you been reading and stuff? It kind of, uh, <clears throat> parallels what I've been doing, but a lot of leather work and stuff lately. I'm doing some tooling and, uh, yeah. So hopefully I'll, be doing some little leather items and stuff that I'll have in my store soon. If, if all goes according to plan. Nice. Cool. Uh, let's see what have we got next here. Uh, Patrick's workshop asks question for full-time content creators. How do you guys manage your time with building, editing, social media and family and friends? So, um, I'm just going to throw this back to some previous episodes because we've definitely covered this in the past. I think it's, you know, certainly something that uh, is, can be hard to balance and, you know, takes time to figure out, but yeah, we've, we've done a couple episodes on both of those things. We had a great episode with Mark Spagnolo about kind of work-life balance. And then I think we did one a couple of weeks ago about just kind of, what our schedules look like and how we kind of balance that and that kind of thing. So we definitely recommend checking those out. One thing I'd say on the topic is don't make the assumption that we do balance them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. The only way to learn that is to, to, to do and you mess up and yeah, yes. Problems where schedules don't well, work out, but, and I think we all work a lot harder than we probably did at day jobs. I mean, yeah. I, I know I did. I do, you know, I have a lot less, downtime now you know every every moment i'm sitting like watching tv or something i'm thinking okay i could be on my phone responding to comments or posting or whatever you know and being productive so it's it's i i find it a lot harder to disconnect now um, because it's such a constantly on kind of job you know you're whether it's social media or youtube comments or you know, responding to emails or whatever, it's, it's kind of never ending. So, uh, being able to turn it off is one of the biggest skills. I was, I was like that at first, like just always just nonstop. Like I couldn't, I felt guilty doing anything that wasn't productive. And I feel like my body and my mind lets me know when it's done. Like sometimes I'll be out in the shop and it's like, Oh yeah. You know, it's maybe only 2 p.m. And I'm just like, you know what? Like, I've had enough. I need to go unwind. I need to go get my mind off of this. And it's not because I don't enjoy doing it, but I I feel like I'm fortunate to to pretty much have a a threshold for balancing things. Like, I'm not – if you – if it's unbalanced, you don't feel good and it should be pretty obvious if you're not happy doing what you're doing, or if you keep thinking about doing something else, it's probably time to go do something else. And, and I think that's a big ingredient to keeping it fun and keeping it something that you love and not, not, uh, not making it a job, you know, is, is, and you're not going to do good work. That's the other thing. It's like, if you're mentally spent, this is such a mentally challenging thing that we do you know whether that's just fractions or you know what i mean like there's just so many things that you have to think through while you're working and 
especially if you're rushing or whatever. I mean, it's so easy to make an error that's going to screw up something you've been working on for hours and hours. So it's always better to take a break. I think a good sign is if your mind is in another place, you probably should go do that other thing. I mean, yep. And, and and you can't don't use that as an excuse to be like, oh, I want to go eat ice cream and watch TV. But if you're, you know, if you're, you know, I mean, you should you should know what th- there's a difference. I learned a long time ago. Somebody it was just something that somebody said and it really stuck with me. And I, I try and keep it in mind whenever I make a decision. There's a difference between wanting and feeling like and, and it's kind of backwards from what you'd think. For instance, everybody wants to be in good shape most people don't feel like going to the gym they don't feel like going for a run they don't feel like so try and figure out before you make a decision whether you want to do it or whether you feel like doing it and like i said it seems backwards but if you want something for yourself that's probably that's probably the the uh the means you should go by versus what you feel like doing. Cause I yep. never feel like doing anything. I want to just, I feel like drinking <laughs> as much coffee as humanly possible and not leaving the couch. Like, <laughs> but that's not what I want for myself. So yep. like same yep. thing when, when it comes to work and balance is, you know, what, what's good in the long run and what, what you want for your life versus what you feel like doing at the moment. Yeah. And I, I think if you're doing the thing in your life that you, you probably should be doing it. Those two things get a lot closer to each other. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think, I think uh, at previous jobs, you know, it's like, Oh, I should be doing this, but I really do not have any interest or desire to do this and, and have a very hard time getting motivated to do it. Whereas now, you know, some of the only times I feel that way is if I've like, I, I there's always a point in a project where I'm getting mentally intimidated by something and I procrastinate and then finally, you know, get around to doing it and, you know, it, it is fine. But that's the, that, that's probably the biggest thing for me is like, just, it's that one step in the build that, you know, is going to be tricky. And I usually am, am one to be like, Oh, well I need to edit video or respond to emails or whatever. And I'll do anything. It's still yeah. productive stuff, but I'm, <laughs> I'm doing stuff to avoid doing that. Like for this build, it was this table build. It was cutting all the joinery for the legs and getting it glued up. Cause I knew it was going to be a pretty weird process and, you know, it had to be very precise. So, uh, but then finally got it done yesterday. It was no big deal. It went really quick and you know, now I've got a table. So yeah, um, I had the same yeah. thing on that, that shelf that I'm working on. Cause it was, it's six feet tall with a four, uh, one inch diameter rods and like, there's six or seven shelves and I had to drill all of those things. I mean, when you're dealing with something that long and I don't have like a proper machining setup, I have like a rickety drill press and like, yep. so, and welding and, you know, so everything could be out just a 16th of an inch or a, a eighth of an inch and throw everything out of whack. And so I was really dreading drilling those holes, but you know, I, I couldn't figure out how I was going to do it until I went out there in the shop without a plan and, and just, you know, started holding things and moving things around until it made sense. And and it was successful. So yeah, just getting, getting going, you know, taking that first step, I think is is critical. Definitely. 
Cool. Well, we've got a couple more questions, but I think let's save those for the after show, after party. Uh, so we've got some good good juice for that this week. Uh, if you guys want to be able to hear that, uh, that's for our Patreon supporters. So you can check us out, patreon.com slash craftedpodcast. Definitely uh, looking to up our Patreon support over the next coming months so we can maybe add some more content for you guys. So definitely go check that out. Um, we do, let's see, uh, let's go ahead. I think we have a joke of the week, but I need to go find it. Uh, let's go ahead and start with what we've been watching or reading or whatever, and we can come back to the joke. So um, uh, I'm going to go first, actually. So this channel, actually, David Picciuto recommended it this week on making it, and then Bob had recommended a while back on making it. It's Learn Quick with Mike Boyd. It is an awesome channel. I don't know why I have not subscribed to it previously, but basically this guy tries to learn new things, and he times exactly how long it takes him to learn them. So, like, I think his most popular video is learning how to kickflip, and it took him five hours and 47 minutes. And so, basically, the videos just show him (laughs) trying to do this crap over and over and over again, and it's, it's really inspiring how persistent and you know just dedicated he is to these things and then when he finally nails it like not only is his reaction awesome but you just feel this awesome sense of accomplishment even though you're just watching the video so um he's got them on you know as i said kickflip learning to wheelie learning to spin a basketball uh, stacking dice i mean he's got a ton of different uh you know kind of all over the board skills that you know normal people uh, wouldn't really be able to to do <laughs> regularly so um it's a it's a great channel definitely go check him out so mike boyd uh, we'll have a link in the show notes james what about you um gecko whatever um I, i'm sure most of you watch him uh, yep. but he's jocko what would i say gecko or something like that <laughs> Geico or something. I don't know what you said. Geico, whatever. Jocko. He's been doing, well, like the last uh, six months or so, he's been putting out videos of absolutely crazy stuff that have just, you know, when you let your mind wander and you wonder, I wonder what would happen if you did this. That's what the videos are like. And uh, um, he just put out one putting um, razor blades on a yo-yo. <laughs> it's yeah it's that good <laughs> yeah yeah he's he's been coming out with some crazy he's gone like way different with his channel direction but i've really yeah. been kind of enjoying it he's got that super slow-mo camera and uh his editing skills are just ridiculous yeah, and yeah. the he, fidget spinner with razor blades was awesome uh yeah supersonic nerf gun yep uh, firing darts yep. through coke cans and <laughs> yeah did you see the giant blender thing he made with like oh, an electric yes. uh, lawnmower yeah yes. that was yeah he he's totally taking his channel in a different direction but i love it because i mean i feel like his shop is set up to where he yeah. could literally make anything he ever wanted yeah and i don't know what he does for i don't know that he does this full time I, I really don't know but yeah he whatever does. he does for his life he has like the coolest shop i think on youtube maybe it's uh it is really It's like nice. one step down from Mythbusters. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Deal. Yeah. It's uh yeah, it's He's, very very have similar you, to an Adam ever, Savage. Uh, have you guys <laughs> ever hung out with him before? Yeah. yeah. He's hilarious. Like he's oh, yeah. super yeah. quiet, but everything he says is just profoundly 
hilarious. And it's so much better with the accent too. It just kind of, oh yeah. It. But it's always like, I mean, he doesn't, it's funny cause he doesn't tell jokes for anybody but himself. Yeah. Like <laughs> when he talks, it's because he thinks it's funny and it's just profoundly hilarious. Like everything he says is just ridiculous. He's, he's yes. a very interesting, especially like him and uh, I've hung out with him and Laura Kampf a few times and those two together yeah. are just ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, he he's a nut. He he's just got that really silly kind of sense of humor where he just does weirdly random things and they're yeah. hilarious. <laughs> you know, like like there's that I think one I think it what was it Bill Volsi video that you know he's like just in the background making some ridiculous face. I, I don't know, just stuff like yeah. that. You know, just, we he's just when we were uh, up at Jimmy's place. It's funny we're all just sitting around the campfire and Jimmy has like chickens that are just constantly you know, making chicken noises. <laughs> and all of a sudden, like Jocko just gets up calmly and starts like running around, chasing him while running like a chicken and making noises. <laughs> it's just so, so it's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. yeah. That's funny. What you got this week, Zach? Um, so I have been, uh, I've been reading some books. So I've been reading, um, Creativity Inc., which is uh, kind of about the story of Pixar and just the creative, creating a creative environment. Uh, about halfway through it, and it's more about Pixar than a creative environment. So it's not really what I expected, but it's still really interesting. Like the story, I had no idea like how much stuff Pixar created. They're actually a computer company that was like under Steve Jobs, and it's it's a really interesting story. Uh, so I've been reading that. And also reading Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, as well as some old, like, there's this old cowboy named Al Stolman who created all of these, like, kind of like the the gospel of leatherworking stuff. Um, and uh, so I've been reading, thumbing through his stuff lately, trying to learn as much as possible. That's it for nice. me. Cool. Well, I guess let's close it out with uh, favorite tools of the week. Zach, you got one? Uh, yeah. So I finally unboxed the DeWalt uh, Porta Band, a little bandsaw that I've had sitting in my shop for like two or three months. And uh, it's uh, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, that is one of the more useful tools, I think, because you can make a cut. It makes like no sparks, no mess, and it's totally portable. So you can yeah. bring it to the work. And it's and for for most of the stuff, it's way faster and cleaner than than a grinder yeah. with a cutoff wheel. So and quieter. It's like yeah. it is an awesome, awesome tool. I, I wish they made a stand for that. I know like Jimmy and a lot of people have made like their own versions. I don't, as far as I know, they don't really make a stand. Yeah, but, I'm gonna build one too because I'm gonna need yeah. it for for knife making yeah they're incredibly useful for cutting things to length like that it's uh yeah that's a great tool (laughs) so mine this week is parallel bark lamps i have used my parallel bark lamps to death this week man it has been no no joke i think i've used every one of them like on seven different glue ups probably so it's been it's been nuts i I use the bessie ones the jet ones are great too I really regret not keeping them clean from day one because now they've got tons of glue in the little grooves. And so there can be kind of a pain, but uh, I need to figure out an effective way to clean them off because they are just <laughs> caked with glue. But they are, to me, the absolute best clamps out there. They have so much clamping power and 
keep things flat. Like when I was gluing up these strips into kind of the, the butcher block top looking things for the, the table and the benches, I could just start to glue them up, start to clamp them and then just pound them with a mallet. And I knew it was referencing against the metal bar of the clamp and it would end up pretty much perfectly flat. I mean, obviously I'd still flatten it, but, uh, th- those things are awesome. So definitely highly recommend those. James, how about you? The Stanley number 55. Um, I think I've mentioned this one before as my favorite tool of the week because it is yeah. one of my favorite tools, but is it the is King never- of planes. Is that that one? Yep, it's the king of hand planes. It was yeah. designed to replace 55 planes in your shop. Um, it won't do like smoothing and surface planing like you think of a normal plane, but all of the molding planes and uh, um, uh, grooving and tonguing and uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm using <laughs> it this week tonguing. on the, uh, the, the the plane. Yes, <laughs> I'm using it on the plane till because I have to cut a bunch of quarter inch grooves and eighth inch deep. Um, and keep them parallel to the outside so I can cut all these grooves at different distances in with the fence. And it's a, it is a very enjoyable plane to work with. Nice. You know, what would be kind of cool is like if, if you did a series of like uh, woodworking through the ages, like you start out doing all your hand tool stuff and then you enter like the 1800s and or 1900s and incorporate some of the machinery and then like the fifties and get yourself a shop Smith and go to town for a few videos and <laughs> all the way up through modern day be kind of interesting that would be cool yeah it's kind of crazy how things haven't changed in like the past 50 years i mean most of our mainstay tools are pretty similar to what they were fine yeah i mean it's it's kind of or sometimes even crappier you know it's a, (laughs) a lot of them that was an interesting making it episode they were kind of trying to predict like the tools of the future and uh you know, they kind of made the observation that modern day woodworking tools are mostly like plasticky, lighter weight versions of the ones in the past. And yeah. that, that's pretty true. I mean, to me, the coolest, I think, advances have been in battery power. I'm just Absolutely. always amazed at uh, how far battery technology has come. So I was reading um, a book that was written like in the late 90s and like it was like a construction or woodworking book or something and he was talking and he's like don't even bother with battery powers they're not the battery power tools aren't even going to last you long enough for and this was like in the late 90s oh yeah that wasn't that long ago like oh i remember as a kid my dad had these like makita yeah. these like you know bluish green makita cordless drills and you know it would last yeah, like inside of the handle yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it would I remember that, last that, like twenty minutes. That Makita um, circular saw with the huge yeah. handle, the battery that like slid in the handle. Yep, and it had like all the wire clamps that held the batteries in, and like the yep. blade on that thing was like three inches. Oh, tiny, the slicer. And I, my stepdad yeah. was a carpenter. I remember when he got that, and he was like, "This thing is going to change the world." And like, yep, you couldn't even cut all the way across a sheet of plywood without no. changing. The- and now DeWalt has that crazy worm drive circular saw awesome. that uses FlexFold that can cut through she- three sheets of OSB simultaneously without even batting an eye. So, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it is it is truly amazing how far that technology has come. But, uh, yeah. Cool. Uh, one final thing. We got an email from Matt Whitlow this week about the uh, Alone in the Wilderness uh, you know, kind of documentary we were talking about last week. And it is available legally for free online in the Internet Archive. So uh, oh. we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Archive.org has that there. So if you're at all into making stuff, 
highly, highly, highly recommend checking that documentary out. It's a, it's a great watch and, uh, you know, good for the kids and family. Not just, and, you know, who, not just else. stuff. I just like, yeah, the, the reason I suggested last week is just like after all the drama of all the news and, and all the terrible things that have been happening, it's, it's a really refreshing to watch a video of a guy by himself in the woods, like enjoying yep. nature. It's just kind of a nice getaway. Yes, it's just proof that you don't need to watch the news because I don't. Absolutely. <laughs> and Tom Petty was a bummer this week. Yeah. Yeah, that is a bummer. Cool. Well, uh, thank you to everybody for listening. Live chat people stick around for the after party. And uh, again, if you guys want to hear that, check us out on Patreon. And until next week, happy building. See ya. Thanks, guys.